And now we've screwed it up. Now it's all broken. Everything's broken. Yep. I just want to... Yep. Sharing an awkward microphone moment. (laughs) Yep. We're sharing one stick together. Well, it's just like the YouTube show. We haven't even introed it yet. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to... In production. Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We clearly don't know what we're doing. Uh, Today on the show, uh, we're pulling back an old episode from a podcast we used to do Mm -hmm. called Between the Line, which was uh, a filmmaking podcast. And so I kind of wanted to reintroduce these sometimes when Jeff and I are too busy to actually get off our arses and make a proper podcast for you. We're British now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We can dig back into one of these old ones. Uh, Jeff was on the show once. Twice. Yeah, twice. It's on twice. Maybe we should go back and listen to that. I co-starred on one. Yeah, that's right. With somebody else in this room. Yeah, that's right. So what we're going to do today is uh, I'm just going to let the show play. Again, it was called Between the Line. Uh, this particular episode is uh, a costume designer that me and Jeff met at the same time on this movie called Sons of Liberty. An amazing one. Yeah, she's amazing. She has since gone from whatever she talks about in this episode, she has since <laughs> gone to epic level heights. Yes. She's, um, she's uh, I think, president of her union, of her guild. Yeah, I she think is so. also uh, a costumer, the, the uh, assistant costumer on Orville. Yeah. She's on, what else is she on? Tons of shows now at this point. Didn't she, she was up for an Emmy for... Yep, she was nominated for an Emmy. Was it Pretty Little Liars? Yeah, one of those Maybe. shows. One of those kind of shows? She's, I don't know if it was that one. Sorry, Ivy, if you listen. Yeah, so it's uh, Ivy Thade is who we're talking about. Uh, she's one of the most wonderful human beings. And I think this, we, we said this podcast was meant to help you. And that's the point is kind of listening to Ivy's uh, story, knowing this is like two years old and where she's gone now. I think it's really yeah, it's amazing. amazing. It's about digging in. So um, we'll kick off the show and let you listen to that. Does that sound fair, Jeffrey? Sounds fair to me. Okay. So today uh, on the show, we have Ivy Faye. Now, Ivy has a ton of credits. Uh, she's a costume designer, but how she kind of landed, uh, now she's a network costume designer, but how she kind of landed in the business is a fascinating uh, tale of, uh, uh, it's, just, it's a journey. It's like the rest of us. Like she, she kind of fell into it with different intentions and, and then ended up in this space. She's a tremendously lovely person. You can hear our relationship shine through. We've we've only actually worked together one time, but uh, over the years we've just kept this relationship, this friendship going, um, and and it really transcended it for us. Like we had a professional relationship, but we both just clicked so well. Like she kept me in line in a certain way and, and kind of encouraged me. And you know, frankly, she's someone that I will forever lean on for guidance and friendship, but she's also the person I know I can always call inside the business to remind me of, um, you know, what my goal was in the beginning. She's just a very wonderful centered human being. Uh, I can't speak enough, you know, highly enough about her. I just, I love her to death. I think the world of her and and so does uh, my kids and my wife and everyone who meets her ends up just kind of falling in love with Ivy. So Without further ado, it's time to fall in love with Ivy Thade. And here I am with one of my favorite human beings, favorite entities. We're going to call you an entity so because okay. you you go past just being a human being. You're like a goddess to me in so many ways. And I've told you oh. that. Yeah, don't don't knock it down now. You just in in private you'll be like you're right. I know you. You'll say that. Uh Well, I I feel like you and I got um, a really great opportunity to work together. So I could see how you could think that because we definitely were in the trenches when we first met. I'll give you that. Yeah. And okay. and, and unfortunately, we've only worked one time and, and every day of my life, I'm like, how do I how do I get back to Thade? 
Um, <laughs> it's like a weird like drawing. I, I just am drawn to work with Thade, uh, Ivy Aww. Thade, that is. So here is Ivy Aww. Thade, and I've said her Hi. last name multiple times. Ivy, welcome to Between the Line. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, that's good. I'm just excited <laughs> that I got to monopolize your time for this this little window. Yes. <laughs> I, get to, I get to steal some time. All right. So sure. yes. th- I'm going to jump right into it because right. you're so busy. You have actually have a schedule, uh, unlike me, who just, as we were talking earlier, just bangs out babies. So that's fine. Um, beautiful babies. Absolutely beautiful babies. Beautiful babies. All right. So. Just if yes. you, if someone were just to come across you on IMDb, you have a a, a staggering forty four titles like <laughs> across the board, right? And yes. it may even be more than that, but I know it's like at least thirty eight in costuming, and then there's some that where you kind of filled in other spots. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, uh, I do costume design and assistant costume design. Um, Mostly right now, I've been just assistant costume designer because um, I'm trying to work on getting bigger projects. Um, so some, you have to start again as an assistant and then move forward. But I was very lucky um, in the beginning of my career to start designing right outside the gate. So yeah, yeah, yeah I've mean, got a few. Yeah, you have a few. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> somehow she's being so humble to me. She like kicks I'm me like, in the face. No, I'm just teasing. Thanks a lot, Derek. Thanks a lot, Derek. You know what? People will appreciate that you're so honest. And I have a question about it's that. True. I'll get to in a little bit. Okay. All right, so let's let's go backwards in time because I always kind of like uh, to to do the question because again sure. you've made a, your career out of this. What like what was your starting out moment? Was it something you oh. wanted as a child? What was the what's the trigger for you? You know, it's really funny. When I went to college, um, I actually danced professionally, and I thought I was going to be a dance agent because I knew that our um, life wasn't very long into your twenties. So I took <laughs> I thought was going to be an easy makeup class. Um, in college, and the and the gentleman teacher whose name I now escaped said that if I went, to, if we all went up to this makeup school in Burbank, that they would give us extra credit. So I decided to go up to makeup designery and check it out, not thinking that I would ever be interested in that because I knew I wanted to be an agent or something in PR or something. So I went to the school, and for some reason, I fell in love with it. And I came back down to San Diego, which is my hometown, and I told my dad I was switching careers and I was going to be a makeup artist. And he goes, uh, "All right, what?" And six months later, I moved to Los Angeles, went to makeup school, started working in makeup. Um, and I was working with this guy, Mark Ferrero, who um, is an amazing producer. And the uh, costume person didn't show up that day. And he asked me if I could help out because he knew I did like home sewing since I was 10, nothing major. Um, I did some pins, light sewing, makeup at the same time on this little pitsy commercial. And he hired me to uh, be his costume designer because he knew that he could hire any makeup artist. But if you could find a good costume person, that was it. And he got me some of my first shows. I did um, an amazing project with John Cleese called Time Rider uh, for Germany, uh, Disneyland, and um, Space Mountain Paris which is one of my favorite projects um, that I got to do because it's like theme parks. It was, it was really cool. Mark took me on a, a lot of projects that I, I have to thank him for, for my first f- couple shows. But I, if you had told me in high school that I was going to be a costume designer, I'd be like, I don't know what the hell that is. And I like wearing my like billabong t-shirt and my uh, corduroy shorts. Like I, I was not interested in, in that at all. And, and my, now boyfriend who's known me my whole life is just like, I, you're like a totally different person. I, I don't even know who this adult Ivy is. So it's, it's really funny to hear when people are like, no, I wanted to be a costume designer my whole life. I, I fell into it. I, I'm going to be honest. I, I love it. I'm super passionate about it, but I, I was not that kid that dressed up her Barbies and, and knew that I was going to go into fashion. It's, 
not not something that I was into, but I love it. I can't imagine doing anything else. So well, see, so there's a funny thing that's been occurring that we've come across uh, throughout all these interviews, which is a lot of um, people we've met that are working professionals. Meaning, mm-hmm. you work not nine to five, but you have a very strong career base, right? It's not just yes. sporadic freelance. They all fell into it. Jared fell yeah. into it. Um, a couple other sound guys, my buddy Jeff, who's right. a colorist, all fell into it. They didn't really want to do it, and it just happened to be so it's almost like a more organic it wasn't a forced inspiration it was an organic inspiration into it right so so once you kind of landed into that i mean was it no turning back for you did you ever do you ever feel like you want to go back and do you ever miss dance or anything i I do miss dance um sometimes when i go see performances or i see um like you know so you think you can dance to those shows but i'm gonna be honest i as much as i love dance i feel like I still get to be, it's still part of my life when I get to do like theater or I get to do dancing, uh, dance shows, or like I got to do, I was the assistant costume designer on, um, pitch perfect. And that was a huge dance production. So even though I'm not physically, excuse me, on stage, I still am part of that little bit of my past. Do you know what I mean? That I have the opportunity to still feel, do live, um, like dancing and, and productions and stuff like that. So, so no, I, I don't. I don't think I would ever switch my career. Sometimes when I'm in the thick of it, I'm like, why did I choose this life? Um, <laughs> because it's it's still below the line. I feel like we are underpaid for our craft still, um, which is a huge movement I'm doing with my union. But I no, I, I don't. I don't regret a second of my choices and my and every show I've been on, I was meant to be on that. Even getting dragged down to uh, Mobile, Alabama in art <laughs> yeah so that's that so just for the, the the quick listener so we met through a series of circumstances um <laughs> tragic in some ways but but gave me one of the best friends in the entire world that i could ever ask for and and truly and i say this and i was being kind of silly in the front but seriously i mean you're like amused like i you know you and oh. i have talked and had very long personal convos about totally. the business and oh, yeah. for us, I think there's that we also share that we talk about life and we've had that yeah. conversation. So I'm grateful for that haphazard well, nightmare that was that that project. Well, you know, it's really funny how we met. I, I came down and I interviewed for the costume position and I, I didn't get it, which was totally fine. Things happen. But being uh, having the opportunity to switch gears and be the artistic director and set designer was amazing because I, I think that it also helped me in my own craft to see a different side of a, a world that we create. Like um, you and I getting a chance to talk about um, some of the sets and, and how those people moved in them. So even though I wasn't doing necessarily their costumes, we were still creating a, a world that they were living in. So I, I, I don't think it was a bad opportunity uh, to come down and be your art, artistic director. I, I enjoyed it immensely and I wouldn't, I'm glad that you and I become such good friends. So see, like things were meant to be in that capacity. You know what I mean? Even though it was a, a very, very long and hard show due to time and trying to get what you needed, I, I think it was an, uh, awesome. No, no, I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I'm, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. So you, so. you brought it up. You kind of self segued and then I diverted <laughs> because uh, one of my questions for you was I wanted to kind of talk about uh, the union scenario because uh-huh. because one of the things that I think. Um, where you've inspired me. And I think this would be helpful for a lot of crew, uh, especially uh-huh. younger crew. You have worked the union ladder. Like you have followed the the journey woman process, right? The journey uh-huh. person um, and climbed it up. Can you kind of talk about that experience? Because sure. I think not, we don't hear it a lot. And so, you know, a lot of times you hear pro-union, non-union 
sure. arguments, but you don't hear someone who's actually been through this whole thing. Do you mind talking about? No, not at all. So uh, my first television show, oh, I was 24 years old. Um, it was called Common Rider's Dragon Knight. Um, I, I'm still surprised that I was able to get that at such a young age. Um, it was for CW. It was a non-union show. And I was a non-union designer. And I hadn't really understood. I wasn't understanding how unions work. Um, our show got shut down um, on our second episode because the Transpo Union um, had called in and wanted to flip us, which means that they take a non-union show and flip it to a union show based on um, the amount of money or time or where we are. We, we were shooting in Castaic, which is um, a little north of us near Six Flags. So uh, they came in. We did a giant vote, the whole crew. Uh, we all voted to go union. Um, again, I was 24. I didn't know. I was like, this sounds amazing. Unfortunately, it shut us down for an entire month, um, and it was during the writer's strike. Um, oh in 2009, almost in 2010. Um, so it really ruined, it, it messed up a lot of people's um, income. But for me, I, I thought it was a great idea. Um, we came back up uh, later on, uh, a month later, and I was able to go union. Uh, I, I joined what they call the Costume Designers Guild, which is Local 892 um, in 2010. And it was probably the best decision I ever made. Um, a couple years later, I was asked to um, join the Under 30 IATSE Young Initiative Group, which uh, allowed uh, me to see exactly what IATSE does for the unions. And I am now very pro-union. Um, but I think, it's, I think that everyone has their own path. I support our union because they, when something happens on our sets, I can call my local representative and they will come down and they will support us and, and focus on what the issues are. Um, they also help with labor disputes if we're working too many hours, um, if the turnaround is not correct, if our rates are too low, um, things of that nature. I, I think it's a really great opportunity. They also help, help us with our health benefits, which I think is very important nowadays, considering I'm a, a working woman who, if I decide to become a parent, they can't discriminate against me for being pregnant on set, nursing on right. set, or deciding to take a leave of absence for um, having a child, which I think is also very important for women's health. Um, and I was also lucky in 2013 to uh, be voted in as the secretary of the Costume Designers Guild, so I take that very seriously. Um, and it's given me a great opportunity to see um, how the Costume Designers Guild is not paid uh, it's not equal pay for equal work. Uh, we are part of a what they consider a under under the line um, craft. Even though we create a world that drives a lot of shows, uh, I was nominated last year for an Emmy in uh, contemporary uh, best costumes in contemporary series as an assistant costume designer, and it's the first time the Mindy Project had ever been nominated. It was because of the costume design by Salvador Perez. Um, I find it fascinating that they don't believe that the craft of costume design is considered above the line, even though we're right up there with the production designers and the DP, which is the director of photography. Um, so I'm trying, as part of a committee, is trying to drive a force with IOTC to see if we can't get a better um, rate for our um, craft. So I, I'm very um, pro-union, as you can tell. <laughs> no, no, I think it's and good. And support, and support women and men in our craft as they feel like, and I know this might sound bad as a female driven uh, career. And I find that it's wrong that individuals don't see us as an equal. It's, no, it's a huge problem, I feel. No, it's spot on. And that's why I thought it would be valuable to ask you because you're working yeah. in it, right? 
one of yes. the things that I was going to ask about just, and, and again, um, you know, answer what you want, but it's just a question I have. Obviously I'm not, I'm, a, I'm not DGA. I'm eligible, all that stuff, but I'm not in that space. Mm -hmm. What do you feel about like sometimes the easy in versus the earning up? You know, sometimes there's, um, uh, in down in the South, there was a couple of shows that got flipped and, um, mm -hmm. some non-union, non-union shows got flipped. And when they did, a couple of guys that were operating suddenly jumped into operator role and I'm just using camera. I'm picking on camera department. They jumped in. Yeah, they jumped in. They jumped in all the way into 600 as operators, but they'd only worked two or three shows. Do you think sometimes there's maybe a little too lenience, like a little bit of leniency in that where maybe it should be that they would have to follow that 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 ladder up? I mean, I don't don't answer uh, it if you don't want to. I just it's a curiosity. No, I, have. I don't mind answering that. I. I'm not sure. It's hard because I, like I said, I was 24 when I got flipped into it and I didn't have a choice. I was either going to join the CDG or I wasn't and I wouldn't be able to work. I, I don't, the problem is I do feel like there, it's a catch 22. It's like there are some seasoned people that really need that opportunity to have a show flipped to get in because they can't, they just can't seem to get in. Or you have the unseasoned individuals in any um, craft that get in after two shows and then they're not, um, experienced enough to handle it. It's hard to say. I, I feel like the producer or the individual that looks at the resume the next time should be like, I'm not sure that you're qualified enough to handle certain opportunities. But as you know, being a young director, you can you, you have the opportunity to make these amazing films. And even though you're under a certain age, you're still incredibly gifted as a director. So would it be hard to penalize you because I get to go right back to it, to penalize you for getting into the DGA at a young age where everyone else is in their late 40s, early 50s. It's hard to say. I I personally think it's an individual based. I don't regret being able, that opportunity to be flipped, but there are some stylists in our local that probably aren't, are, are, are not doing as well as they should be doing representing the guild. It's and, and there's also those people who have been in for a long time that are also terrible and I have no idea how they're working. It, you know how it is. It's I, I think you find your core people, it's like like you said, or Spielberg or any of those other individuals, they find their five core people or whatever, and then that's it. They keep them because why would they want to switch them out? Right. And then you, I'm sure that when you become a huge design uh, director, when you do, you'll call me and I'll say, yeah, I'll come down and do it because you know the body of work. It's hard to say. You know what I mean? No, no. It's a, that's the best answer I've ever heard because, um, <laughs> no, seriously, because a lot of people take it from... You know, there's a jaded element. There's people that are in the in for a while, and they're like, "No, they should have earned their way in, and they should have started out as a second AC and bought in." And then there's other other folks that are just angry and bitter, uh, or or I'm sorry, they're younger and they just get in, and they're angry and bitter at the other guys because they're not getting work. And I'm only using camera because that's who I've had the most interaction right. with lately. Um, it's not to say, you know, we got flipped. I've been on a show as a producer director, mm -hmm. and we got flipped. Um, we've always paid everybody pretty fairly and it wasn't an issue in that there was actually no complaints. It just was more a matter of, uh, somewhere somebody felt misrepresented and they came in and they fixed it and it was a great deal and it was a very easy process and it wasn't any, any problem, but it was just a, some of those guys didn't really think about their location as well. So being in Southern Alabama, they decided right. to go into camera ops and there's not a lot of jobs for camera ops or, you know, I'm going to probably bring in my camera op if I'm shooting or I'm going to try to. So they ran into right. a little bit of a, a pickle in that space. It just was something I, I thought you, again, your advice was, or your answer was perfect. 
Not that it was staged. <laughs> it's just, you know, good. No, no, no. I, I just want to say he hasn't, he never prompted me with any of these questions. They're <laughs> like flying out of his mouth. I swear I've not been prompted. <laughs> Where I've cheated though is that I know you well enough to like, yeah. I know how to have a conversation with you. I'm yeah. cheating a little bit. Um, let's jump, let's jump over to television yes. because, you know, obviously my background's film. I have no clue how TV works aside from what sure. I've studied and read. So television wise, um, you did, you did uh, Marie for a while, right? Which was kind of the Marie Osmond show for a lifetime. Yeah, that was an amazing opportunity. I met some amazing. I met Linda Carter. I've met uh, uh, John Berryman, who we love from Doctor Who. I I went nuts. Like I I was super geek the whole time, all 150 episodes. <laughs> it's so awesome. So- it, it was such a cool experience. So what is that? So and then after that, and let's kind of ping pong back and forth. Uh, sure. Mild comparative. Because that's more talk show format, right? That was yeah. talk head. And versus right after that, then you kind of moved on to Mindy. Is that right? Your next, your, uh, what was your first? Was I did, uh, I did the Marie Osmond show. Then I did um, Take Part Live, which was another, it was a news program um, with Cara St. James and um, Jacob Soboroff, who's now on CNN. He's, a, he's a, a, a speaker for them. He did the DNC, which was really cool to watch him. I'm like, oh my gosh, Jacob. Um, I did a lot of that shows, and then I went on to the. I went down to do Pitch Perfect two um, in the South, and then I came back and did the mini project with the same costume designer Salvador Perez. So I, 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 I sort of ping ponged. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I mean. So what's the what's yeah. the working life like between something like you know news format, talk format versus oh, sure. getting into into Mindy project? So working, so working on the Marie Osmond show, um, I did all the guests. So we had like a, a costume closet for individuals that ran the gamut from like blazers to jewelry to shoes just to help supplement their outfits. But they would come usually camera ready um, or they would bring a bunch of outfits and then I would help style them um, for whatever Marie, because so, we didn't want to match Marie. So she would have her stylist there. Um, her name was Stacy Michelle and her and I would talk for the day of, because we would do two tapings a day. She would tell me the two dresses or two whatever that Marie was wearing, and then I would offset that with her guests so that they both popped individually. Um, And then for Take Part Live, I was the costume designer um, for both both hosts, and then I would help um, supplement the guests that we had on. So we had, like, it was really cool. I met Al Gore, which was an amazing experience. Yeah, I know. Oh my God, there's a ton, we had a ton, I did a hundred and something episodes, just a lot of people, but meeting some of these people, it was totally worth it. It wasn't something that I'd be like, oh, I want to do this all the time, but to meet these, like I said, Linda Carter and, and Wash from Firefly and just totally be a, I know, a super nerd. Uh, it was a cool experience. So then going on to scripted television, working on the Mindy project was, um, I'm not going to lie. It was a really hard show. Um, in terms of workload, because every five days we were doing a new script. But as you, if anyone's ever seen our show, Mindy changes like 22 times. So every minute is a new outfit. So Sal would design it. Then we would go down and do like a five-hour fitting, you know, every other week to get her through the closet. And then she had all of the entourage. So we had like, you know, Ike and, and Chris and um, Ed. And, and they had to have suits on or they had to have lab coats on. And then there'd be like whatever shtick was going on that day. So it'd be like Ike going, I need a red fedora. And I'm like, it's Friday night at nine o'clock. I shut up and don't give suggestions on what you need on Monday because I can't get it for you. Like, it's just doing comedic um, television has been a really cool experience because then I moved on to Pretty Little Liars, which is dramatic, uh, 45 minute episodic. And it's like doing a full feature every night, nine days. It was, the workload has been crazy. Like, I've been very blessed in the past, like 
three some odd years to be just ping-ponging between different um, disciplines, I guess, of, of styles. But but Pretty Little Liars is, is I mean, Mindy had a very clean, very direct style. Pretty Little Liars yeah. has it very much its own style that you guys like. You guys killed right. it, right? From what, yeah, what we, I've watched of it. I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but, you know, that's different. Yeah, no, I understand. It's not You're not our demographic, Drew. You're straight, um, over 30, and, and not in high school. So you really don't work for me in terms of my demographic profession. I apologize. It's okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not cool. I get it. Yeah, you're not. No. If you could just see him right now, he's probably in what I think is a T-shirt and probably his cargo shorts and maybe barefoot or flip-flops. I'm not sure, but I... I'm pretty sure I know his uniform. If you ask his wife, that's probably probably all he has out there in uh, Mobile. So. It's all true. It's all true. All of it. <laughs> I he, he I just want to tell you that he was probably the most incognito director I've ever seen. He was so chill and just like wore shorts or jeans on set and just would like mill around. And he would, he'd be like blending in into the scenery because he would just be like one of those guys. You're like. I don't know which one's the director. I don't know. He's got like just super chill, no flair, just just one of the guys, you know, just up there. He's like moving the camera. He's like, let it's, me do this. It's it's called hiding in plain sight. When you're that scared, oh, yeah. oh, you're you just great. camouflage right in. No one will know. I'll grip. I just wanted to get you like a steampunk hat or something cool to like just know which Tesla guy that was. Um, if if anyone knows us, Drew and I are huge steampunk fans, like like super nerds. To the point where I was really mad at him that he did a steampunk trailer for his movie and I was not invited. Oh, I was not invited. Oh, oh, wait a second. I read the script and I was not invited. Au contraire. <laughs> you were working on Pretty Little Liars. I was. I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah. kidding. So, I would have killed that, though. I would have killed that show. Uh, it would have been amazing. There's no, no his question. Wife did it. Sarah's amazing. I love her very much, but I would have killed it. I, look, there's no doubt. We talked about it. She was excited. She was like, cool, because she wanted to learn from you. She was all jacked. And then you came back <laughs> and I was like, hey, Sarah. And you know how sheepish. My wife is very sheepish for the audience. And She's suddenly with these big squirrel eyes. And then we turn around. I was like, uh, Thade's busy. And she and you could just see all the blood <laughs> drain out of her face. Yeah. Like, I was like, I'm sorry. I'm working on a huge television show. <laughs> I got to go. ABC Family, which is now Freeform. So, oh, so all right. So Pretty Little Liars. Um, and then I, I saw one and I'm going to geek out for a second. So I saw 24 The Legacy on there. Is that? Anything? Yes, I <laughs> I just did that um, just this year. So uh, Fox is obviously, you know how they're doing it. They're relaunching everything. They're doing Lethal Weapon. They're, t- they're doing Rush Hour. They're doing everything. So Katina LeCur, who's the costume designer from Homeland, which is a great show on Showtime, called me up and asked me if I could do the pilot with her. So we did 24 Legacy, the first uh, first episode that's airing in January. It was uh, the most amazing experience. I had never done uh, costumes that would last an entire season. It kind of reminded me of Memento, where the outfit is the outfit, and it has to change on different degrees. So I learned a lot about aging and blood effects, uh, stunts, um, just the... Uh, working with the network to find that perfect outfit. So Corey, who plays our lead, has to wear these jeans, boots, uh, shirt, and jacket for an entire season. So that outfit was very specific and took. it takes more work to find one outfit for a series than it does for if you were building a closet. The amount of stress and um, ability to make everyone happy, not just the director, but the actor to be able to feel comfortable, for the designer to have her vision come across, and then the network to have it. It was uh, it was surreal. 
It was surreal. It was a lot of mood boards, a lot of um, different options of silhouettes for him, shoe choices, jacket choices, um, and that was for everybody. He he has a brother. His name is Ashley Thomas. He came from um, London. Same thing. Everyone has the exact same Jeez. outfit because, as you guys know, it's one hour out of a twenty-four hour day. Every episode, they can't change. I mean, things happen where. You know, if they got covered in blood, they might take their shirt off in the scene and then it's the action. But most of the time, they're running in that outfit the whole time. So the dupes alone, like how many duplicates did you end up with? I mean, what did they end up having so, to do? So we, <laughs> his t-shirt um, is, if it, if it gets, we did two different versions. So um, it depends on one day. But my girlfriend does a t-shirt a, a line out here called State and Manor. It's this beautiful cotton organic clothing thing. She had to get me a hundred of them. For one episode, for one episode. Well, it goes through the whole time. Yeah, but but, it, but you went ahead and set uh, yes. the look for one episode. Just set the look. So it had to. It's a gray heathered long sleeve by State Manor, uh, and I had to get a hundred of them because he had to have like, it, when you guys see the ep well, you guys can see the trailer now, um, but he gets shot, he gets dragged, he gets covered in like dirt from running around in the construction company. So he has he needs like thirty, and then his stunt person, then the driving double, then. The stand-in, then the photo double. It's like every. It, it was the. It was the best experience because I learned so much in that three months that you, you just can't. You'd never even think about things that you would need. He's got like fifteen pairs of boots, like for the everybody for his stunt for him, whatever. Because also, as you guys know, when we when we shoot something, it's not in real time. So let's the unfortunately the show got pushed to Atlanta. They're not going to be able to find any of that stuff because we did it in January. The clothing's gone, and unless we like, we got a custom-made shirt, so that that they can get reordered. But the jackets that we got in from Canada, they're last season. The jeans are probably last season. It's just it's so I don't think people understand like when we have to do a show of that caliber, how much work goes into it because you have to make sure that you have all the components. But I mean, that's do they're not gonna be able to find it. Yeah, and that's what you're saying. Like, I mean, that's doubly hard. So. Mm -hmm. First off, you have to set the look, which I want to talk yep. about in a second, uh, just in general. But then you also have to make sure that it maintains throughout, because yep. as you said, it's one day. I can't, you I can't actually it. wrap my brain around that. Like that sounds brutal. Well, can so have you? I'm gonna see. Maybe for example, have you done other than our show together a, a show that has someone going through uh, like blood or guts, but you're going. Uh, backwards to go forwards does that make sense like that you understand right yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. just have to track it where he gets shot <laughs> on shooting day one and then the next day is like the beginning of the, <laughs> the beginning of the hour and he's just at home chilling in his boxers like it, it i i'm so glad i did it i learned so much uh, for tracking and continuity uh for costumes it was we went we yo-yoed a lot we shot all over uh, los angeles because it's actually supposed to be um, in Los Angeles, so it was really cool to see um, that kind of experience. So, no, no, it was it's very awesome. cool. So, let's talk for a second because I, I think that little story alone kind of puts in perspective a statement you made earlier, maybe about pay as well. Because not only do you have the responsibility to design the look, which is obviously completely artistic, creative, but there's business measures involved, whether it's product placement sometimes, or if it's um, you know the style you're setting a look on a character that that audiences need to react to in a positive manner or negative huh? in order to keep revenue coming in from ad sales. Like it's a big complex system. So you have the art part of that, that you have to create that. And then you have the business side of that, which is, you know, maintaining all these v versions of that, that outfit. Um, 
So can you, what's the, what is your process for approaching the art? Like if, if someone, it, when, when you're looking at a project and you have the design element in your hands and you're running that path, what, how do you approach that process? Are you talking about for television or for film or because oh, each process is different? Okay. So let's, can you break them out? Uh, do you feel like breaking them out or if not, sure. just focus on your favorite. I don't care. No, no, no. Okay. So for television, uh, we'll go with scripted, not 24 <laughs> legacy style. So, uh, we obviously, we get a script, we look at it, we, we talk to, we have a concept meeting with the whole entire production company. Um, and then we go back and then like probably the next day they usually have a costume meeting um, to discuss what it is. Sometimes we go off of what the, is scripted and sometimes I go the opposite way. So, for example, I'll talk, so I'm on how to get away with murder right now um, for ABC. Awesome. Uh, so that's been really cool. So. I'll, I'll, I'll explain that. So Lynn Palo, who's the costume designer for that, she also does, it's amazing, Scandal, Shameless, and Animal Kingdom. So I'm just one of her many minions there. Uh, it's amazing. She's a powerhouse. She's, she's my inspiration. But uh, So we get the script. We look at um, Viola, who plays Annalise Keating's closet, and see if we need to do any shopping or anything, or if, uh, let's say we have a lot of flashbacks. If anyone sees our show, we've do, we do a ton of flashbacks. Um, and Someone's always murdered. Right. So it's like we look at it. We want to make sure that we have multiples. Uh, we look at the color palette for that day. We do a giant costume board where we put the clothing up and we look at it to make sure that no one, not everyone's wearing blue or not everyone's wearing pink, for example. Um, and we also go based on their body type. Um, Viola's a real woman with real curves. And I, I love that about Shonda Land because she, she has shows based on real people. Right. and real sizes and and so it's been a great opportunity to see us build a closet for for someone who's not a size zero or not a size two um the and the the difficulties of that of making somebody look amazing but not trying to diminish what size they really are so we and we're also shooting fake shooting in uh philly so it's like overcoats and and wraps and things of that nature so it it, it varies based on it but we we look at it as a whole story of a closet so we do giant fittings we do dresses we do skirts we do jackets um, and, it's, and, and that's just how we go. For film, um, same kind of concept. Film's a little bit slower paced, so sometimes, as Drew knows, we do the script, we break it down, we talk about it. If they need specialty costumes, like we're doing uh, military or we're doing um, business suits or wh what have you, we do like giant mood boards, we talk about it. I, I think that Drew, I felt bad because I was talking to Drew, we, we, we could talk about it ad nauseum. I mean, we could go down to the button um, in terms of detail. So, I'm very de detail oriented. I would bring, you know, concept boards and uh, research material or what have you. Um, I like to be always back up what we're doing. If we're doing police, this is what this badge looks like. Greek, we're going to Greek it out and have the art department do a different patch or whatever. So I think each job is different, but the base core is having mood boards, your research, and knowing the correct silhouette for each actress, depending on their size or actor, I guess some people, like we did. You know, Jimmy Smith is in 24 and he's over six feet. So we had to have his stuff custom made at Anto shirts because we needed to make them perfectly fit for him. So we changed the collar. We did different cuffs. He plays the 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 senator about to be pres running for president in that show. So it's it, it really varies, but it's all about the devil is in the detail. It comes down to like pearlized buttons or, or hidden plackets or not doing a, a breast pocket on the shirt. It, I mean, it, we could go on for hours about <laughs> the process, but it 
Drew knows. I'm, I'm super. I mean, we talked about glassware for like an hour for his show, just just in that one room for the kitchen. Remember, and like the the dishes and what dishes he would have, like to make breakfast for her. It's it, it's just crazy. And, and then that scene got cut. <laughs> We're not going to talk about how much work got into that, or how frustrated he was when he was sitting in the kitchen going, "Oh man, okay," and then just walked out. I was like, Drew. Sometimes it's you hard. gotta go. I'd I'd Hard. Yeah, you got to go hide with the grips. I mean, that's what I had to do. I had to sneak in with the grips. Um, so transitioning of breakfast and kitchens. I don't know. That's the worst yes. segue I could come up with. But I, I do want to talk about you. I mean, life in LA, like living, like your social life, your work life yeah. balance, all those business terms we have. Do you have I mean, are you on TV? Do you get a routine out of the deal? Are you kind of allowed a routine? Um, so we shoot Monday through Friday. I shoot at the Sunset and Garrelot in Hollywood. So my commute, thankfully, is only about 20 to 25 minutes, depending on traffic. As anyone knows in L.A., it could vary. I could be there in an hour. If the Hollywood Bowl is letting out, you know, people watching Madonna or the police. Who knows? But um, I try to have a life. My my hours, unfortunately, as an assistant costume designer, when Lynn is not available, I am there as the head of the department. So I don't get to leave as, as much as anyone else does, I guess. Um, so I get in around 7 a.m., 7.30. Sometimes I get to go home at 7. Sometimes I'm there till 11, depending on if, if one of our actresses is being established. Um, I don't like to leave, because if they need clothes and I leave, then what happens? Um, we're on location quite a bit. We shoot at USC. We shoot at um, various clubs, or you know, depending on what the, the script is called for. So I'm, I'm all over the place. But I mean, my hours, I don't think anyone looks at their life and go, okay, I'm going to work on this job because the hours are 9 right. <laughs> you know? Right. I. I could range anywhere from 60 to 80 hours a week. It really, really depends on on the workload. But like I said, if you find that you love what you do, depending on whatever facet of the film industry, it you just do what you do and that's it. So I'm very lucky that I have a, a supportive group of friends and a supportive other half that understands that sometimes I, I'm going to come home and I'm just going to pass out and I get up and I do it the next day. Or sometimes I'm like, let's go have dinner, you know, whatever. Or like on my Saturdays, you know, I try to fit in everyone that I can Sometimes I don't, and I'm just, it, I just need a day where I don't want to talk about anything. Yeah, yeah no, I'm totally so with you. So I just like, you know, today is special, though. I, I'm geeking out with one of my dearest, so it's fine. But you're going to have, uh, you're going to have a little brunchy or something, right? I can't hear you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's me. Oh. That's me. Uh, no. I, I mute between, so you don't have to hear me breathing like weirdly into a microphone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just wanted, to, I've always wanted to say you that. You don't breathe weird. You're not a mouth breather. What if I was? Yeah. <laughs> Stranger Things, little weirdness. Yeah, they're totally. Um, all right, so so the balance is there, and, and you're able to pull it off. Not the balance. I hate all that those terms. I just I, was kind of curious. What? I'm gonna let. So remember how I think your wife and I have talked about this. I, I started out. I did not want to get married or have kids. Uh, it was not in my game plan, and I, my career came first. Um, so I feel like if we're gonna talk about balance, I think everyone has their own. I, I will eventually get married and maybe have kids, but it's just not. I feel like it's interesting that when people get asked that as women, that it's one or the other. I don't know if I see that. I see that you can have both if you're able to find the right partner or balance. But um, I, I just, a lot of us as women in our world have to sometimes sacrifice that as a younger age and then in their mid thirties, figure out what they want to do. But it's, I don't know if it's really a balance, if it's more of a, of a Figuring out what you want to do first. You know what I mean? Yeah, by no means. Sarah and I talked about this. Yeah. She has, they have two beautiful kids, as if anyone knows. Um, and Sarah also does costumes um, as well and does amazing cakes that I wish that I had that skill of baking. Um, 
but we talked about it. She, you know, she had their beautiful daughter and it, it does take a lot of time and she might not have been able to do a lot of shows that she probably wanted to do based on that. But everyone finds, like you said, their balance or their, their discipline of where they want to draw the line of their career, you know? So. No, and that's kind of my thing is, is I think um, if anyone would ever be a testament of finding that balance, and, I, and again, not being overly obsequious here, is that I think you would be the person to do that. I read that on toilet paper, obsequious. That's the only four That's words. amazing. It's the, it's the Pee Wee Herman of the word of the day. Yeah, exactly right. I like it. But I, I think you would be the person out of the people I know, well, the, the, out of, and I don't want to say women because. It is. No, but it is. But it is women. It, and that is the point. It is women. And. I mean, I, I know a couple others that 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 have the ambition, but no one's established themselves in the process as well as you have, meaning in the business okay. process of building that career level. So, you know, it's it's a conscious choice. Um, yes. A, a DP I worked with, his wife is the showrunner on. Um, oh, bother. What's the uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. She's a showrunner. So obviously her time is crazy. They have two wonderful kids. They found a way. They found the balance. Yeah. They made it work. And their kids are two years older than mine. So they're still huh. young. So she yeah. was able to kind of attack it. And that, so I think your point is again, another like stupidly valid point, you know, it's always just, <laughs> it's good, but that's what the show's about. That's what it's supposed to be. It's true. It's true. I bring up, I bring up my, I get on my soapbox and I talk about it. Cause you know, you read these articles about like women not having kids and how selfish that is. And I don't think that I agree with it. I think that I think that if you're not, if you one, you don't want to be a parent, which some people shouldn't be, even though they have children, um, I feel like it's really important to, um, to to figure out what you want to do. But I don't think that I'm any less um, of a of a woman or any less of a of a career driven person without having kids right now. Even I am still young, so I am very lucky. But like, you know, you look at some of these. Colleen Atwood, for example, has two beautiful kids, and she was able to make that work. And she's a multi winning um, Academy winning costume designer. And then you look at some of the other people, you know, like Sandy Powell, who also is an amazing costume designer who doesn't have any kids. So I think that you can find that balance, but I don't know if the balance is not the right word. I don't know why I don't like that word. I think it's because it's like a scale sort of, it's either you're either going to be even or you're not, but life is not even, even or it's not. So it's, I'm not sure if that's the right word for it. No, I, I hate it. I hate the, the concept of work-life balance because, as you said, I mean, in yeah. this industry, I mean, I don't even know how many hours I've put in. I can't even tell no, you. you can't. It's impossible. You can't. You'll, you'll, it and also might bother you because you're just like, I just spent 100 <laughs> hours this week. Wait, shit. That's amazing. Go? That's a great quote. I'm stealing that. Yeah. Maybe I'm going to use that as your little intro segment because that's like the go perfect. Yeah, that's great. Um, so one other thing I wanted to ask you about is, is yes. or there's two other questions left, right? So the first one is. So take your time. Yeah. The pushback. Because I've seen you do it. You've done it to me, but that was as an art director. But I've seen, I, I got the feeling that, that you, in conversation and knowing you as well as I do, that you, you would push back. And I think it's important. And part of that is pushing back in the sense of claiming your territory as equal department head against uh, people who sometimes act like you're unequal. And the other side of that is creatively. Do you, do you find yourself in that is it different on the studio level than it is on like an indie show? Can you push back more on indie to, to help them see something? No. I, um, okay. For I'll do the example of you and I with, with, our, with your show. So I feel like sometimes individuals who direct and write their own content can sometimes be too involved or too much in their head when it comes to something. And sometimes I need to push back on them because I feel like they had this, they have to have that particular vision, even if it's wrong, because they've talked, they've been in it so long. They're like, no, 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 you don't understand. The wall has to be blue because I wrote it that way. And that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, 
but it doesn't work for that scene. We have to come up with a better um, decision because it's not working for what you need. So it's like you have to find that that um, the correct path to help with indie directors or writers who are so in their head. And you know that if you go with your gut, it's going to be right. Right. Um, for costume design, sometimes I feel like the network thinks that they know what they want and we give them what they want, but then we go and do whatever we want and then we show both. And usually, not 100%, but maybe like 70, 30, they're like, oh, you're right. We should have gone with the black coat because the red doesn't look good on her, even though it was scripted as such. So it's finding that happy medium of doing your craft and doing what you think is the best way and also allowing the you know the like Shonda or Pete who is our who is our um, creator of how to get away with murder finding that happy balance of letting them be the ultimate decision but still getting it your way so yes and no I feel I feel like sometimes the indie projects are and I, I they get a little delusioned because they feel like they need it that way and it's not always the right way or they can't afford it. And I feel like that's a lot of the problem is that they're like, for example, I got a, a script across my desk a couple months ago um, and the first scene was this giant high school ambulance crazy car chase and they had like $10,000 for the whole costume budget. And I'm like, you just blew your wad on the on the one scene. There's, there's no way... That you're this is not a, a realistic budget and I'm gonna have to pass one they couldn't afford me my rate like it was just they were asking me to do a favor and then when I saw the but I I feel like sometimes they think that costumes are cheaper because they can get it at you know Target or Walmart and I'm like you you just blew your wad on that I can't and then when I sent them a real realistic budget they're like we can't afford this I'm like well then you need to cut out a lot of your script because you you don't have the correct budget I think that a lot of I think this happens a lot with UPMs or um, production coordinators. They have a recipe, they plug it in because they're doing a $5 million movie, but they don't take into account what's actually scripted. And so it becomes us pushing back on them, but we're just doing what you guys have asked us to do. And so it's fascinating to watch the director want one way and the producer wants another. And then you look at the, the AD and I'm like, you can't, you can't have these many people in the, in the scene. You're gonna have to cut back your VG list. So I mean I'm sure Drew knows we I <laughs> there was a lot of things even as the art director for him that I was like I'm having a problem with your DP can you help me out like getting what you need but I know he's wrong <laughs> no, it all it's right, all Drew? no it's there no yeah I mean <laughs> that's the game I look and and but it's but, hard but yeah but the interesting thing you brought up that I think is really really fascinating is um, you're stuck in the middle you're literally yeah. in the middle between yep. the director and it's a really, ch that's a hard spot to be in because you have someone who's passionate about the project, especially if it's right. writer director. And then you have the producer whose job is bottom lining it and you're stuck right in the middle. And then you have the AD who doesn't care and all they want to do is make sure that it's done the, the way they've been set up to do. That's tough. That's brutal. That's not fun. No. So yes, I, I do stand up for my convictions, but sometimes I back down. I'm like, it's really not my script. I'm here to facilitate your vision, but it, I, I pick my battles as, as Drew knows personally, I can't speak for other people, but, and I sometimes I, I will, I will push back on my designer going, do you think that this is the right choice right now? Shouldn't they have a jacket on or, or they don't need a jacket. For this? So it, it, you got to find that happy medium of it. But it's really frustrating. I, I feel like sometimes as a seasoned designer and have worked, I've been very blessed in my 13, almost 14 years of working as a costume designer that the unseasoned individuals and Drew can, can 
can can definitely agree with me is this they argue with the costume designer or the art director because they think they know better because they've just come right out of school or they've done a couple commercials and they're like no this is right and i'm like listen to me clearly when i tell you that we've lit this uh desk up for drew and you've just blown it out with your overhead lights right I, that's the first example it was very frustrating and i pushed back and i unfortunately lost the um argument because the dp was adamant and drew knows this i i really did push hard but at the end of the day it got blown out and i was super bummed because you you know what the director wants sometimes and then you have another crewmate who just thinks that they know more so it it was a very it gets really frustrating but at the end of the day I, you only can do what you can do and you you make your argument and then someone has to make that decision or or doesn't make that decision to push back and you do it but i i do stand up a lot for my for my uh convictions on, on what I think is right or what's not right. And I, and I always, I try to have it backed up by explaining why we want it one way or the other. So. No, no. And I think that's the important side of it, but that also comes with experience. That's like maturity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's why I don't do, I don't do a lot of indies anymore. Cause I feel like the seasoned professionals, unless it's like a really seasoned, um, group of people, I, I just don't want to fight anymore. And I don't want to have to explain myself when someone comes up to me and says, well, I want to do it this way. And I'm like, but I, I've done, we've been there before years ago. It doesn't work. It's really cute on pieces of paper in your your scripted lecture classes at Full Sales University or wherever the hell you came from, but it's not. This isn't going to work. And you're and you're blowing out my outfits because you think that the light doesn't need a filter. I mean, I could argue all day about lighting and how it messes up my clothes. I mean, I I can fight about it all the time. So I, I just don't. The DP and I, you're either really close or we're at odds. It's either one way or the other. And, and nowadays, when I'm working on television, the DP, I've been very blessed, always works with our department. I, I, we've been very lucky where they don't make me tech my whites and I don't have to worry about lab colors. And, you know, the rigger comes up and tells me that we're going to do a blue screen or, or, blue screen or a, a green screen. I don't have to be surprised. I, I think that's what bugs me about indie sometimes. They, there's, they lack the need to tell the information at the beginning. And then we get into a scramble. And I don't like to scramble. That's not my style of. I don't like to work that way. So it, I, I like being on, uh, on. I think union shows because they eat, most of them are are seasoned professionals. No, it's film or or television. No, no, it's a good point. So what I'll do is I, we kind of have a tradition of asking, um, like the, the somewhat cliche wrap up question, but it's more this way: is that there's somebody out there, and I, and I'm not saying direct it to new recruits into the business i'm saying to anybody out there that has an interest in costume uh or art department in that capacity or is a woman working in film professionally or wants to work in film doesn't matter i mean just kind of a a sum up piece of advice like the best thing that you could tell somebody if you could only tell them one thing you know it can be a paragraph but one thing what would you what would you spread along um i think I think it, if it's costume design, art director, if you want to be a female director um, or a writer or be Shonda and take over Thursday nights for ABC, I think whatever you decide to be, you have to be incredibly passionate about it. You have to be able to sacrifice your life and your, your Sundays and your time and your for a little bit. I mean, I my first in my 20s, I really didn't have a life and I worked crazy hours and I would do three jobs at the same time just to get my resume built up. Um, and I probably, like I said, I, I had some great partners along the way that I, that I was with that supported my decisions, but I feel like whatever that is, you have to be passionate about it. You have to support it and the money will come. I mean, if you're lucky enough to find jobs that will pay you something and you're living 
you know, in a house with other people that are also supportive, you guys can help each other out. But I, I was very blessed in the beginning to, to have that kind of work ethic and to, to push myself to, to points where I probably shouldn't have done three jobs at the same time, but I did it anyway. And, um, I, I didn't go to school for costume design. I, I fell into it, but then I went back and got my degree. So if you feel that you're strong enough to um, do the job that you want to do, writing or whatever, um, sometimes it's good to just start working you know, on indies or as a PA, production assistant, in whatever discipline you want to do, and then go back to school. I don't think the school is for everybody and for every discipline. Um, I think if you have the eye for costume design, for example, and you're able to work in it, you don't necessarily need the discipline unless you want to learn how to sew or construct or dye or whatever. Um, so you could save that money and put it towards coming to Los Angeles or coming to New York or, or now the South, you know, New Orleans or, or Mobile has also a film industry that um, is working or Atlanta. Um, and just being, being in your craft, whatever that craft is, I, I think it's just important to surround yourself with whatever you, whatever you want to do. So and as a female, you just keep pushing back and asking for more money. Every time I go in for my negotiating deals, I always ask for more money. And I've been very lucky that that um, I work for, like I said, for Shonda, who supports women's movements. And we've been very lucky to have our rates be higher um, than some of the other networks. Um, I've also worked for some designers that have helped me push through the ceiling as an ACD in, in terms of our rates. So I just, you just got to ask. Just lean in and ask as a... Uh, people always say, and I think it's important, especially for females, to just keep pushing and, and not allowing um, anyone, women or men, to tell you yes or no on, on things that are important to you, and especially with the rates. Um, I think wages are very important, and people just need to keep, keep asking for higher rates for equal work, for equal pay. So that's my uh, soapbox. No, it was perfect. <laughs> it's, another, it's another, like, uh, I, I could just, I could put out a seminar and just, like, get... Oh, Lord. Just have you up there, get you one of those little microphones that clips to your ear. <laughs> Motivating speaker for, yeah. for women film? Or no, because it was good. But it was honest. And that's the thing is it, it came true. across as true. Like it was it was honest. So that's I think yeah. that's the value in it. That's true. I'm just going to keep pushing Sarah to ask for more money from you. That's that's the, that's the thing. I You know what? It, I tell you what. <laughs> if Sarah will go out into the world and make some money, we'd be in good shape. Well, she's making beautiful babies. I'm just you know teasing. what I mean? That's the I, problem. You got, you're screwed. Well, you know what? No, the problem was we screwed and then we had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one was fine. So you're not having God's baby. It was not immaculate conception. Is that what you're oh, telling it me? It kind of feels that way. I'm telling you. I don't you. know. I'm Finley's pretty really damn cute. I don't know. She probably can't. She's a little gift from God. I'll give her that. Finley is from Sons of Liberty. That that baby was born on that set. Or she, being conceived. I, I don't know how you had the time to have a baby. Like, there's, to, a par- to there's a parking lot involved. It's a really terrible story. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I, I, knew that, I knew that the costume trailer was for other things. <laughs> the uh, the second kid was the one that caught us off guard. That's the one I that bet. was... Yeah. I didn't, yeah. yeah, I didn't even know you... I mean, obviously, she's beautiful, but I'm just like, holy crap, beautiful kids. Yeah, just cranking them out. We're just going to be like the... You know what? It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> uh so, so what I'll do is just basically close out and say, Ivy, as always, I am, I am, I'm seriously, I'm going to leave here all hyped up. Like I've just done a ton of cocaine and it's always because you, you are truly inspirational. I love you dearly. Love and I think you. the world of you. Thank so you thank you for being on the show. Always. It's my pleasure. Happy to help. All right. So next time I'm in LA, I'm going to bring all this crap with me and we'll have another sit down talk. Maybe we'll, we'll get into Anytime. weird personal crap and, and really make people uncomfortable. 
Uh, we we could dive into all kinds of, of fun stuff that that causes uh, anguish with our industry, as anyone knows. I mean, the fact that we have healthy relationships with our other halves, Drew. I don't know how we do it because you know how nuts we are. Oh yeah. I mean, if anyone knows Drew, I, he is the most passionate person. I, I think that's why him and I get along so well, is because we will stand there in the middle of the parking lot discussing light bulbs and ceiling fixtures and the doorknob. Of a, of a film that's amazing, but that no one's ever going to see. But we know that that light bulb was an LED light. And that we know that that whisk was silver and two inches smaller than what the normal one was because I went out to God knows where in Mobile and we got it. True so story. It's, it's worth it. It's yeah. freaking worth it. There I'm telling go. you, our industry, we are, we are all masochists in a weird way, but we love it. It's true. Think about it. We come back every day for more. And we get paid to do it. We do. We get paid to do it. Yeah, you can't. You can't even. You can't even. I can't even close out anything better than that. Like so. That's like you're perfect. Welcome. Yeah, there Masochist, you go. Masochist, you're welcome. There you go. All right, so that's the show. Don't forget, you can also watch us on occasion, randomly on live, YouTube, live on YouTube or Facebook, and sometimes Facebook or and Instagram. Very rarely Instagram and Facebook. We haven't done Mixer yet. We haven't. I always thought Mixer was an app that was like Tinder. We haven't done Snapchat. I don't do Snapchats. I'm not doing Snapchat. I don't even know how to tweet. Unless we put the little face thingies on top oh, of Oh, yeah, that's kind of fun. Yeah. Maybe we should just do an entire Snapchat <laughs> channel of two grown men that do face thingies. That sounds terrible. Don't take that out of context. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to kill it for this episode of In Production. Uh, we'll be back at some point because we refuse to uh, subscribe to the idea that uh, we should just be regular. The only thing regular about this podcast (laughs) is our poops.